welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Recovery continues. And these guys have what I want. So I thought, we ought to just start out with the guys who have what I want. And... One is my grand sponsor and one is my great grand sponsor, so we better start out with them. So first, I'd like to uh, introduce Harvey from Nashville. Hi. Harvey Asher, sexaholic. You know, when I first start. I usually like to introduce you to my wife and ask her to stand because she's a saint to have lived with me and gone through with me what she has. But it's a closed meeting and she's not here. So instead, I'm going to ask the other people who are responsible on a day-to-day basis for my recovery. This excludes my sponsors and my sponsorees. I want everyone from Nashville to stand. And thank you. And I want to thank you because uh, I could only be up here because of you all. Um, I talk about God doing so much for me, but don't believe it because he does it through you. And so I get it through Nashville. Then I get it through my sponsor, who you'll see a little later, through the people who sponsor and who I sponsor. And that's the recovery continues. I want to talk, I need to back up this, I was sharing this with Jess before. Uh, I woke up early this morning, must have been about 5 o'clock, 5.30, and I said, oh my God, I'm talking tonight. And I'd better get it organized. And then my voice said, but you don't talk organized. You just ask God to talk for you. And I said, well, I need a few little ideas about what's different in recovery. And for a moment I thought about this and thought that for a second. I was half asleep and I said, gee, you're going to forget it. You better get up and write it down. And I said, no, it's okay. So later 
in the morning, I wake up and I um getting ready and I'm talking to God saying, God, please talk for me tonight. And the next thought in my mind was, gee, Harvey, you better organize this and write things down. You better write it down. And all of a sudden, I heard my truth. My truth is, I don't really trust God. And I really don't trust my program. I'm afraid of this, I'm afraid of that, and I'd better not see this movie or do that thing, or look this way, look that way. And it's all a lie. Because today, and for the next 24 hours, I will be sober, and I've asked God to help me be sober. And I will be for the next 24 hours. And it's a lie that I can't trust Him. And by the way, two more Nashvillians just walked in. You're just standing up. Am I thanking y'all? By the way, you've seen my jacket, and I need to take it off. <laughs> and I was really comfortable usually doing that. But today we went to see Evita, which I wasn't sure I should have seen this. I was afraid Antonio Banderas would be a trigger. I wasn't trusting my recovery. And um, Madonna, I figured, ah, but him you never know. But Perone, General Perone, always took his jacket off and went like this. To represent he's part of the people. So my obsessive compulsive mind said, I can't do that. There's people will think I'm affectatious. And that's what I live with. I live with this brain. That's insane. Totally insane. Now, Jess a little later could verify it for you. <laughs> and my wife was in a blink would agree with it. And I was sharing with someone before that two weeks ago I heard at a meeting that an insane person never knows they're insane. But a person who's insane, who knows they're insane, is a person in recovery. And I'm in recovery today. I'm a miracle in recovery today. Some guy called me the other day and said, you know, I, I don't know what to do. I'm with my wife and we're intimate sexually and I keep having these thoughts and stuff. And I said to him, well, no big deal. Before you have sex with your wife, get on your knees. 
and do the third step prayer. That's what I do. Just do the third step prayer. Give it to God. And he kind of wondered what I was talking about with this. He hung up, hung up. And three days later, I get a call from this guy. I don't sponsor him, but he called me back and he said, It works! It really works! And I said to him, and I need to say this to you all, this is a closed meeting, and I need to be sure you don't think I'm not what I'm, I really am. I'm an insane, low-bottom drunk. And I said to him, Look, if I who had a thousand sex partners, I who would be asked to resign from places for getting caught in the act, I who would keep giving my wife crabs, I who had to be treated for gonorrhea of the throat, if it worked for me, it will work for anyone. And the way it works is, number one, I can't ever forget where I came from. Because in twelve and a half, twelve and three quarter years, I have not had to have sex with myself. I was a compulsive masturbator. I do not have to abuse my wife sexually because I would have sex with her twice a day at least the majority of days for 25 years. And I was so promiscuous. Men, women, prostitutes, hustling, Pornography. I am a low-bottom drunk, and if it works for me, it works for any. There's someone in this room that I gave permission today, or yesterday, not that it would have mattered, but someone asked me, who's a non-sexaholic, and I work with him. He's sitting right back there. And I didn't want to share my truth. And I knew I had to therefore say that it's only in the secret that the shame lives. And it's only in the shame that the lie lives. Because if I'm in shame, I don't believe I have a disease. A disease that I, for whatever, did not wish to have necessarily. My family members have it. It's all over addiction. I'm also a recovering alcoholic. My father was an alcoholic. My grandfather was an alcoholic. Three of my four sons are in recovery for alcoholism. I have a disease. And the answer for my disease is my recovery. And I'm not going to tell you how I do my recovery. 
I don't mind talking to you separately, but I only have 30 minutes. I want to talk to you about the rewards of recovery. The rewards. I want to tell you all of them. And you know what? The first thought that I wasn't planning to tell you about first, I wasn't even planning to think about it. The biggest reward is I have found a God who loves me. A God who watched every one of those low-life things I've done. Every one of them. And loved me so much he brought me here anyway. But I want to tell you what some of the things have happened in recovery. And I'm going to tell you just from the recent past. And it might not mean a whole lot to you. Maybe it will. But to me, it's the world. A few weeks ago, my son asked me to go, he's 28, 29, asked me to go to a basketball game with him. That's a miracle. This is a son who wasn't speaking to me. This is one of my four sons who had to go through the embarrassment, the rejection. My wife, I had to have sex with her all the time, so our bedroom door was locked all the time at night. And in thunderstorms and lightning storms, we would wake up and they'd be outside the door sleeping. These are the people who had to witness my son's embarrassment of some of my gay acting out indirectly that they'd hear about it. And the wonderment that my daughter-in-laws know I'm in the program and they'll call me to help out to babysit my grandchildren. The miracles are at every level. I want to tell you about a miracle that happened. I went, and some of you have heard this. You poor guys. I often say poor guys and gals from Nashville, they must vomit sometimes or want to, hearing the same stuff over and over again. But you know what? I don't care. That's how I stay sober. If I don't remember all this stuff, I'm going to forget it. And if I forget it, I'm history. This, I'm going to be dead. Not only emotionally and spiritually, as I've been, but physically. This program has permitted me my 12-step program, to work through all kinds of fears. Now, when I say work through them, I don't mean with a psychiatrist or a psychologist or a counselor. By working the steps and coming to meetings, some of this insanity has gone away. 
And one of them is I couldn't travel. Could not travel. Now, coming to at least 20 international conferences has helped significantly that problem. And we traveled to Spain last summer. And we get there the first day, jet lag and all, and we're walking around Madrid. And I had a little thing about an English-speaking AA meeting. And I said, man, let's see, here's a map, and by some chance, they're never there, but let's try it. We must have walked in the heat four or five miles, and we actually find it. And we get into this AA meeting. And it's an English-speaking meeting, and they have an intermission. And all of a sudden, the guy next to me says, Are you Harvey Asher from Nashville, Tennessee? Because <laughs> I had spoken and said, I'm Harvey Asher. And I said, Yes. And he said, have you, no, he said, are you in another 12-step recovery program? And I said, yes. And he said, I wrote you five years ago to help me here start a meeting in Madrid. Could you come to one of our FA meetings? He said, we have one on Sunday. And I said, we're leaving Saturday on our bus tour. Um, Nothing Saturday, he said. Well, we'll make you an English-speaking meeting Saturday. (laughs) And he gives me direction, and I go, and it's in his apartment upstairs. And all the memory of going to strange guys' apartments came back. And I get up there. He opens the door and come into the apartment. And he says, I want to show you something. And he shows me (laughs) the letter I wrote him. The letter I wrote here. I didn't remember the letter, a letter, a country. I remember I stay sober by writing people letters who write me. And they had a meeting and just like I had a control tonight about the chair. I had to control the meeting. That's who I am. And they had this special kind of meeting. And I said, heck, I haven't come to Madrid to an essay meeting not to give my story. (laughs) And I maneuvered a 15 minutes out for a qualifier for me to tell my story. 
this, I need to tell my story. You know, I got in touch this week with why I need to talk. I thought it was jealousy or envy that I want to talk, whatever. Uh, or if someone's talking and not me, it's a, I need to talk. I must tell you this miracle. I must tell it to you. It is inconceivable that not only am I not acting out today, I don't want to act out today. I can't tell you what that feels like. It's foreign to me today. But I know that if I get away from this program, I know if I don't do tomorrow what I did today, it's not going to be foreign to me. Because I have an incurable, chronic, progressive disease. Now, I want to tell you about recovery. As many of you, uh, how much time do I have this? I didn't look when I started. Okay. Many of you over the years have heard my saga. My saga of my intolerance. I had sent my children to special parochial school. I had trained them in my religion. And when my son brings home a gal from a different religion, with seven, eight years of sobriety that I had, I was ready to kill myself. And I worked through that in and out, and nothing worked for about a year until... I got to that point where I said, if I bend that far and accept this, I will break. And if I don't bend, then I'm not living love and tolerance, which is our code, and I can't be in AA and SA. And I'm dead. And I got to that never, never spot. And I called someone up in the fellowship with more years than I had and of a, the opposite religion than I was in. And then I met. And I asked him, what can I do? And he said, it's funny you mention that. I'm having a similar problem. And I started to laugh. And this big issue became so clear that without recovery, I have nothing. And love and tolerance has to be my code. Now, there's a point to this story. This is about recovery. Years went by.
And one day, a friend of mine where I work, husband died, and she wrote a book about this dog that came into her life that she felt he was somehow involved with. And I happened to get into this book, so she needed to get my permission. And she's telling me about the success of this book and how they want to make a movie of it. And as this wonderful, beautiful person gone through this tragedy with her husband is telling it to me, I felt the most unbelievable jealousy you could imagine. I felt jealous and envious because I'm dyslexic and I've been trying to write and write and I can't write. And the jealousy was all-consuming. And by the way, this wasn't a few years ago. This was a few months ago. And I said, God, please, please remove this ugliness. I feel it. I don't want it. And I pleaded with him silently while she was talking to me in the nursing station. I did my sixth and seventh step. And it was suddenly lifted. I was able to tear from the joy she was having. And the next morning, I'm walking with my wife on our morning walk. And I said, Nancy, I'm embarrassed to tell you, but I've been wanting to write this book. You know, Jessica just wrote a book, and I, I've been wanting to write this book, and I can't. I've been trying for two years. I, you know, my problem, man, and I can't get it the minute I want to write it down. It's gone. And she said, what's the book about? And I said, well, I'm embarrassed to tell you. But it's a fairy tale for children. For children of interfaith marriage. It's about the land of crystal divided by a river from the land of jewels. And I start telling her and the book came out. The book came out. And I went home and it came out. One sticking point. Talked to her about it. Next day, the remainder of it came out. I wrote it in two days. And I was at a party where a publisher was. And I mentioned it. And a literary agent has taken it. And found me an illustrator. And what recovery is, 
is that from the depth of intolerance and possessiveness and control and from the depth of the pain came the same experience time and again. And I corrected someone today who talked about change in this program. No, it's not change. It's surrender. We surrender and the result is change. And whenever I make the surrender, whether it's to my jealousy, whether it's to my intolerance, God takes that. He takes the manure and He makes fertilizer out of it. Books to help children who are in pain from confused situations. And recovery for me and I could list one after another what I'm doing in my life today that is so unreal in wonderment. But it's all to do with the one thing that I forgot. I forgot what that one thing is right now. Because apparently God's telling me it ain't one thing. It's this whole condition of having a God of my understanding, working step, and coming to meeting. And it keeps getting better. And I'm going to end this with signs that coming up and coming up. But um, I've because of my dyslexia, I can't learn foreign languages. And lately, I've decided to learn Spanish. And I'm actually learning Spanish. God's saying to me today, all you've got to do is not act out today. And I'll take care of the rest if that's what's meant to be. And what I do for that is to get on my knees every morning. Get on my knees. And by the way, because of my religion, I had difficulty getting on my knees. And I said this once at a conference and people scringed. The only way I got on my knees, finally, was to remember how I used to get on my knees for my addiction. And it was okay for my addiction, but it's not okay for my recovery. And only through remembering where I was can I get to where I am today, which is a place of just total gratitude to you all. Uh, to the people in Nashville to hear the same stuff 
over and over and still love me and not put me out of meeting. And to my wife, to the people I sponsor who have to put up with my craziness. And so I want to tell you I love you all. Love you all. And thanks for loving me one more day. Thank you. to thank you for listening to this episode of the daily reprieve the best source for experience strength and hope for sa members please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes please show your support by donating to the daily reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking donate now Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.